So we're, we're talking about a, uh, a savior is born. And uh, we're gonna lean into the story in Luke chapter two again. And I am glad Jesus came to shepherds and not kings. We're gonna talk about that this morning. Because I'll be honest with you, as successful as anyone is in the room, we probably still have more in common with a shepherd than a king. So we're gonna talk about that today. We're gonna read from Luke chapter two. Some of this we read a couple weeks ago. We're gonna look back, we're gonna look at it again. We're gonna read chapter, verse eight through 20. You can find it on the screen or in the Bible app or on the Hope Community Church app. And they still make paper Bibles. So why don't you stand to your feet in honor of reading the word? And that's the last time I ask you to stand until we're done. Say amen if you're ready. Say oh my if you're not sure. Verse eight, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you great news. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Father, we thank you today that you came to common people. You didn't come to rich, fancy, self-righteous. You just came to the common man. Came to forgive us of our sins. Pray, Lord, that we'd have more confidence at this time of year that you're our savior. That no matter what we're dealing with, you're the answer. You've overcome it all. So we pray, Lord, that because we've gathered together this morning, we've, we've lifted your name in praise. And Lord, we're looking into your word that you'd renew our mind. Let us have more faith in you this year. In Christ's name we pray and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Shepherds can catch a bad rap because... Um, after all, they are, um, it's not a glamorous job. It wasn't a glamorous job back then. It was a little bit of a demeaning job for most people that were doing it. It wasn't a job that was held in high esteem. You are, you're working in, out in the weather. 
difficult climate at times. You, you're, you're managing every storm and every danger. Your, your, your whole job is to keep a very unintelligent animal alive. Matter of fact, an animal that has basically no self-defense, no way of uh, avoiding um, an animal that would naturally eat it. No way. The sheep don't run that fast. The sound they make is not threatening. Ah. (laughs) Who's scared of that? Chickens aren't even scared of that. So shepherds and the dirt and the muck and um, <laughs> we were just in Williamsburg this week and um, the beginning of the week and, and we took a carriage ride in Williamsburg, which was neat because I got to figure out how carriages do donuts in the middle of the street, which is very entertaining. Uh, but the guy giving us a carriage ride drove us by, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Williamsburg has a very elite herd of sheep in Williamsburg that, that it almost went distinct, extinct. And so I don't know, Williamsburg has a couple thousand of these sheep or, or a little herd. And then somewhere else in the, in another country, they've got like three, there's like 5,000 of these sheep in the whole world. I got one in the back of my car right now. We just took one. <laughs> but even the guy taking us on a carriage ride, he said, uh, so my wife asked, Hey, you guys got people that take care of the animals. He said, Oh yeah. He said, um, he said, I like taking care of the horses for obvious reasons. Sheep are filthy. And we were, we were uh, he'd pulled us up by the sheep. You know, he was telling us the whole story. And he said, I don't mess with sheep, man. Sheep are filthy. And I looked down and I went, isn't that ironic that God made a lot of sheep white? And they're just filthy. <laughs> While the shepherd job was not... Glamorous, God had a special place for shepherds in his heart. If the culture didn't acknowledge them as important people, God did. When God decided to pick a king of Israel that was finally be a man after his heart, the Bible calls David, he picked a shepherd. Matter of fact, David was herding sheep, didn't even show up for the interview. All the other brothers were there with the prophet and David's just out doing the sheep thing. When, when Jesus was born, he chose to reveal the birth to shepherds first. And a matter of fact, when he was in his earthly ministry, when he, when he gets to describe himself, he calls himself the good shepherd. John records him saying that he's a good shepherd and he's manning the gate and the, and the sheep that come in know his name and he takes care of them, he protects them, he provides for them. He, he doesn't compare himself to an earthly king. He says, I'm the good shepherd. So in God's economy, shepherds are the stuff. So what we, what we view as the, our Christmas story, which didn't start out as a Christmas story. It wasn't like... Jesus was born on Christmas. I hope everybody knows that. Starts out with Jesus being born, shepherds out in a field. Now, there's some, there's some argument for these could have been shepherds that were, that were managing a special flock for the temple. That, that's not 100% proven, but it is a theory that is out there that would, that would give some foreshadowing into Jesus dying because these would have been special sheep set aside for temple sacrifice. Whether that was true or not, 
These were shepherds. Angel of the Lord appears before the shepherds in the middle of the night, scares the devil out of them, and says, hey, unto you this day a Savior is born in Bethlehem. And then a whole choir shows up singing. I don't know if they had a dance routine, but it was impressive. They're doing the whole deal. They give a description of how they could recognize Jesus. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I don't know that Jesus was the only baby born that night in Bethlehem. But I got a feeling he was the only baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. So, so the, the angel tells the shepherds, there's something, there's something amazing that happened tonight. A savior has been born, the proclamation. And now comes the description. Because if you're going to go looking for something, you've got to have a good description of what you're looking for. Amen? And so, because you end up finding what you look for. Is that true? Typically in life, we end up finding what we look for. Now, that's not some witchcraft stuff like the universe is making it. What's good to know, not many of you know about that, but... Have you ever done the car thing where you go, you go to a car dealership and you pick the car out and you're like, oh, you let the salesman talk you into you're getting the car nobody has? By the way, if it's on a dealership lot, everybody's got it. So he talks you into getting the one that nobody's got this model. This is a unique model car. This is the one. This one, it's got the wheels. It's got the leather. It's got the oil. It's got all the stuff. It's got the fancy paint job. It's the one for you. Nobody has this car. And 30 seconds after you pull off the lot, you've seen 40 of them. <laughs> and you're like, I thought, I thought I was special. It's not that the car wasn't there. It's that you weren't looking. You didn't have the description in your mind to look for it everywhere. You, you, you had an idea that, 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 okay, I want a car, but now that I know the car I want, I'm going to look for it. And now I'm looking for it all the time. Now I see it all the time. So you end up seeing what you look for. If you're the person that looks for mistakes all the time, guess what you're going to see? Mistakes. And everybody's going to hate you. I'm just going to let you know up front. If you're somebody that sees the good in everybody... You're going to see good in everybody and an equal number of people will hate you. You end up finding what you look for. And I want to tell you this morning that, that God has made a revelation to everybody in the building and he wants us to look for it. It's worth looking for. I started thinking about the shepherds. Like, how, how would this realistically play out? Did they leave the lowest guy on the totem pole back to watch the sheep? Did the, the, the lowest tenured shepherd got stuck back? But the description that Luke gives is that they went in haste to Bethlehem. Now, they were outside the city. They went in haste to Bethlehem to find out what the, what the angel had told them. Because the angel said, hey, unto you this day, a Savior is born. And here's what to look for. You'll find him wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Now, evidently, that was enough description that they weren't looking 
in a house necessarily. They weren't looking for rich people necessarily. They weren't going to the governor's house or the mayor's house. They weren't going to the politician's house. They weren't going. They're like a a manger. Who would put a baby in a manger? It was enough description that they skipped over all the other newborn babies in Bethlehem that night. And they were able to find the one. It was enough description that they were able to find Jesus of Nazareth. This is the one. The Bible doesn't say anything about them knocking on the wrong door three or four times in the middle of the night going, hey, like we're looking for a baby wrapped in swallowing cloths lying in a manger. Honey, it's another door-to-door salesman. They're trying to sell us magazines. God gave us a description of himself so we could find him. God's not playing hide and go seek. God's not being tricky. God's not off in a distant land trying not to be found. God gave us enough description to find him so that when we did go out and look, he could be found. He wanted to be found. He wanted them to find him. Come on, church, that's good news today. That we serve a God that doesn't, that doesn't want to be alone, doesn't want to be, it's not that he's pestered with people, it's not that he doesn't have enough time. No, no, no. He's giving us enough information to find him. And he does it over and over and over in scripture. If you fast forward to the, the, uh, the nation of Israel, they're, they're getting ready to get, kind of, kind of walk through a, a season of correction in there. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah's describing them going into exile into Babylon. And, and we talked about that in a, a sermon series uh, three or four months ago. In Jeremiah chapter 29, Jeremiah makes this case. He, he's telling the people, this is what God's telling you. Listen to me. He's saying, he's saying you're going to go into exile. It's going to be 70 years. He gave them the exact amount of time they were going to spend in Babylon. He told them, listen, this isn't to hurt you. This is to prosper you. He goes through that whole thing. And then he makes this comment. If you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. If you come looking, I'll be found. I'm not hiding from you. I'm not hiding from you. The revelation of God to man is that he came and was easily found. He came and was easily found. And by the way, easily found by poor people. Mm. Man, I'm so thankful he came to shepherds. I'm thankful that he came to common man. Because most of the people on the planet are common. Now, I know some of you are going to take offense to that. 99.9% of the people walking the planet today are just common, ordinary, everyday people. And most of them live in worse conditions than, than you do. They're common people. So, so Jesus comes to common people as a common man, as a common baby, and tells common shepherds to go look for him. And they find him. Where do they find him? They find him in a common family, in a poor circumstance. They don't find him in a palace. They don't find him in a, in a ruler's home. They don't find him in a Pharisee's home or, or the chief priest. They don't find him. They find him in ordinary, everyday life 
two young people struggling to get the Bethlehem for a, for, a, for a census. Aren't you glad they just mail us ours? Pack up the Winnebago, baby. We're going to Arizona. That's where I was born. And Jesus just walks in in the shape of a baby in an ordinary life with ordinary people looking for him and finding him. The description is important. The description is important because I think some of us are looking for God in places where he's not. And we're looking for a God with the wrong description. I started started thinking about this. Um, you, You also realize Jesus was revealed to people who needed him. Yeah, who needed him. I want to say this on Christmas, man, my prayer for you is that this, the end of this year, next year will bring you great success. I, I, I genuinely love it when people are successful. I do. I do. I love it. I want you to be filthy rich. But sometimes I wonder if my dreams skew the description of Jesus that I'm looking for. Because um, they said, look for a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. I mean, that's a pretty specific scene right there. And it's not a scene that, il- that, that elicits um, wealth right off the bat. I mean, even the shepherds, I think, were probably like, ooh, lying in a feed trough? Man, these people must be real poor. Like, I don't... That, that separates Jesus in a whole other group of, you put him in a feed trough. Like, I don't even know if that was... That wasn't common. Like, when we got nowhere else to play, put the baby, let's put him in the cat bowl. <laughs> so, sometimes my description of Jesus that I'm looking for is, is wrapped up in nice clothes and a nice house and a nice car, nice vacations, nice, come on, somebody help me out. Don't make me look greedy. Sometimes my description of Jesus is wrapped up in good health and all your friends like you and everybody you hang around successful and, and you're just climbing the ladder. Matter of fact, you're not even climbing it. You're just, you're just jumping from run to run. You're like, oh, this is, we're just crushing it and Jesus is making it happen. And all of a sudden, prosperity becomes the Jesus that I'm looking for. Like, health is the Jesus that I'm looking for. And wealth is the Jesus that I'm looking for. And if, man, if, if, I, just keep, if I just keep climbing the ladder, I'll find him. Because after all, he's for my success, isn't he? He's for my... Yeah, and if, if I'm, man, if I get this position, this position, I've got the 10-year plan. And man, I've got retirement. And sometimes... Sometimes I'm creating a life that not only do I not need to look for him, I don't even need it. Because after all, I've got a 401k, I got this planned out. I got I got this, I got it planned out, I got that planned out, I got that planned out. I got I got people telling me what to do because we've got a plan and it's gonna be great. When I get there, I'm gonna say, God, look what I did. And Christmas reminds me that he came to people 
who needed him. Needed him. They were anticipating him. The shepherd said, man, we got we to go in there and find this thing. We got to find him. A savior's born. We got to go find him. So they rush in. You know, Jesus would later talk about coming to people that need him and the people that need him finding him. He would talk about it. He had a situation with a tax collector. (laughs) Mark chapter two, verse 13, when he went out again beside the sea and all the crowd was coming around him and he was teaching them, as he passed by, I saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he rose and followed him. Now, Jesus, being a rabbi, is calling people to follow him, literally walks by a tax booth, a guy collecting taxes, who was despised and rejected by his peers and, and his neighbors because it was well known at that point in time that tax collectors were shady and greedy, skimming off the top. And as long as Rome was collecting what they deemed necessary, they didn't care how much extra they charged. Now, I don't know about anybody else in the room, but that's probably not the person you're inviting to Christmas. I'd like to get my shady IRS agent to come join us for Christmas. We can start the audit right after the turkey. No, he said, Jesus calls this guy. On purpose. And as he passed by, I saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at his table in his house, Jesus went to his house. As he reclined at the table at his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Oh, we got a full house full of bad people. Many tax collectors and sinners. Like, wouldn't it be great? We're like, hey, Jeff, family, come over to the house for Christmas? Yeah, we have a house full of sinners, man. It was wonderful. Jesus was right in the middle of all of us. Many tax collectors and sinners. Now watch the dichotomy here. And the scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors. So you have two different groups of people. You have the religious, self-righteous Perfect tax collectors and sinners. They asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said, by the way, I love that Jesus could hear every conversation at the table. Isn't that awesome? One of them's leaning over to the disciples and said, hey man, why is he eating with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus said, hey, I mean with them. <laughs> Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician. Listen. The struggle with the American church is that is that we have everything. The struggle with Christmas time for Americans is not necessarily if you can get something, but how much you're going to get. It's a totally different conversation. It's not, can we afford it, but how much can we afford? All of a sudden, 
we start looking for him with a bad description and we, we get, and then we see him in places where we don't think he fits anymore because of the description we've been offered. So, so listen, the shepherds get a description of a baby born to a normal young family, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That does not describe a king. That describes a poor kid in a poor neighborhood with nowhere to go. That describes something that we're typically not looking for. But you get all the way to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees in the middle of Jesus' adult life, and they're looking for a different guy. And appalled that he's hanging out with people whose neighborhood he was born into. (laughs) And my prayer in my life is, is that I don't get so successful that I don't know the description of him anymore. That I don't recognize him. Because none of the people I hang around need him. We just got to the place we didn't need him anymore. Jesus said, listen, you guys are appalled by this. Fine. But I need to let you know that same baby that was born in a manger, wrapped in swallowing cloths, lying in a manger, that same baby is now an adult. And he's still coming to the same people he was born to. He's still coming to the same people that are sick and without. He's still coming to the same people that need a savior. He said, I didn't come for the people that aren't sick. Hmm. The shepherds would leave where they were to go look for him. And the Pharisees were sitting right in front of him and didn't see him. Hmm. Man, there's so many times in my life where I think I missed him because I was looking for something else. I was looking for more money. I was looking for more health. I was looking for more freedom. I was looking for more popularity and more power. I was looking for all these things that, that, that describe the American dream. I was looking for all these things that, that would make my life easier and make my life more prosperous. And I missed him. He could have been sitting right in front of me. And I would have been like, why are you doing that? Hey, Chris, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for people who needed me. And then you realize, man, it doesn't matter how much money I have, I can still be sick as a dog. It doesn't matter how much popularity or power I have, I can be as sick as a dog. And the Savior's sitting right in front of me, and I don't know I need him. So it matters who you're looking for. It matters the description you're using. It's a baby wrapped in swallowing claws lying in a manger. It's not going to be, it's, it's not going to be a, a fancy show. You're not, you're not going to get an entourage out of this. You're, it's a baby wrapped in swallowing claws lying in a manger. You go look for him. He wants to be found. Go look for him where he is. And I'm telling you today, church, he is still in the same place. With the sick, the hungry, the needy, the people that are looking for him. Jeremiah's word was right. If you seek him with the whole heart, you'll find him. I've had conversations with people. Um, if you've been coming to this church any length of time, you'll know we, we are very passionate about missions. We have a missionary with us today uh, who's in Germany. And, um, and, and what you'll find, what you'll find is, is that you could go on a short-term mission trip to certain parts of the world and you see legit miracles. Like, like that was crazy. And there's been this debate about 
Like, why doesn't that happen in America? Why is it, why do you go to South America? Why do you go to Central America? Why, why, why can the church in Iran and China and those places, why can it grow like crazy and God manifests himself in ways that nobody can believe? Like, it's, it's a shock to your, he, he healed that person. We actually believe he can do that. Amen? And I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, I think the difference is they need it. They got a real description of who Jesus was. He's a savior. Come to earth. Emmanuel, God with us to save us and redeem us. And they need that more than we do. And so I settle for a pill. Come on. I don't use them, but we got, we got essential oils in our house. A couple drops. You don't need Jesus. Now you're with me. (laughs) My message to you this morning is stop looking for Jesus in a crowd that doesn't need him. We're so fascinated by politics, so fascinated by cable news, we're so fascinated by Twitter and by all these things about people telling us what we should believe and how we should believe it and what words we can use and what words we can't use and the authorities over our countries and all these things over and over again and they tell us what's right and what's wrong and we realize that we're trying to please people who don't need Jesus. Because you know what the truth of the matter is? The shepherds were leaving the flocks to go find the Savior, and Herod was sleeping like a baby through the night. The chief priests and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the scribes never blinked an eye the night Jesus was born. But shepherds put down their work and went and looked for him. And so when our, when our prosperity and position put us in a place where we're not looking anymore, we've missed it. Because the description is there for us. Where are you going to find him? Boy, you're going to find him where there's sick people. You're going to find him where there's widows. Come on. You're going to find him where there's children. You're going to find him where there's sick. You're going to find him where there's addicted people. You're going to find him where there's drunks. You're going to find him where there's cheats and liars. You're going to find him where there's adulterers. You're going to find him. You're going to find him where people who can't, who can't think for themselves. You're going to find him the, 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 the depressed. You're going to find him in the people that need a savior. And sometimes America's looking for him in a hundred dollar bill. And a shiny new car and a vacation. And he said, I didn't come for people that aren't sick. I didn't come for people that don't need me. You know what is heartbreaking about that conversation? Between Jesus and the Pharisees, they all got up and just walked away. It didn't even register with them. Here he is eating dinner, the savior of the world, with, a, with the tax collectors and sinners, and all they want to do is, is quarrel over how he could do it, not why he was doing it. I pray that we don't get so wealthy that we don't need him anymore. Okay, that's part of the story. The second part of the story is average, ordinary people who 
who were given a clear description of who the Savior were, went and found him. And then when they walked away, they told people. (laughs) They told people. So the first evangelists were not Pharisees. The first evangelists were not even the disciples. Jesus was a little baby. There were no disciples at that time. The first evangelists were not apostles. The first evangelists were not, were not Mary Magdalene. The first evangelists were no, not, you don't even know the names of the first evangelists. All you know is that there were shepherds. The Bible says that they walked away from Joseph and Mary and Jesus. They told everybody. And it said people, the, the ESV translation says they wondered at, at what they were telling. Other translations said they were amazed. They were filled with wonderment at what the, at what the shepherds were telling them. I mean, they're down at the morning breakfast spot, sitting with their buddies. How'd your night go? You ain't gonna believe this. You know, we got a couple of them filthy sheep out there we were trying to keep safe. Boom, out of the sky, an angel of the Lord appeared, told us there was a baby born in Bethlehem that was a savior. We went down, gave us a description, swaddling claws lying in the manger. We went down there and found him. It's crazy. We think he's Jesus. Found him. Everybody at the restaurant's like, oh, are you kidding? This is crazy. I pray this Christmas that if you find the Savior, that you'll tell somebody about it. Now, let me, let me be clear about this. Sometimes we don't tell because we're trying to tell the wrong audience. Now, now I, need to, I need to let you understand something. Jesus was the son of the living God. He was the Savior, God Emmanuel, God with us, he came to earth. He was 100% man, 100% God, like we talked about last week. He was, he was both all at the same time. And, and even he talked to people that didn't, didn't accept it. Talked to a rich young ruler who he, said, who he said, hey man, come follow me. Just get rid of all this stuff holding you back. Come follow me. And the guy was like, I can't do it. He talked to the teachers of law and the Pharisees every chance. He, he wouldn't run them off. He would talk to them and they, they wouldn't accept it. And I gotta ask you, I gotta ask you something. Maybe we're trying to communicate to the wrong group of people. So something that's happened over the last 10 years is that uh, even out here in West Virginia, politics have consumed our lives. Like we, we, this political discussion is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, and it came with the advent of cable news. I mean, what else are you going to talk about? All the time, it's inundating everything. Every, it seems like every part of our life, all of a sudden, has to do with some type of politics, like some decision some politicians are making. And I'll be honest with you, I'm getting to the place where I don't care. If anybody wants to come to the meeting, just raise your hand. <laughs> My name is Chris, and I don't care. <laughs> we could start a movement. We go wear the shirt. I voted and I don't care. <laughs> Let me tell you why this is important. Listen, because our culture is rapidly becoming 
a culture that will that is trying to dictate what you can talk about and who you can talk about it to. Listen to me. Jesus did not come to please the authorities. He didn't say he didn't say start a war, he didn't say rebel, he didn't say any of that. But his he came to shepherds. Here's here's where this plays on us. Watch. The same message that came to a shepherd of salvation came to a king as threatening. I'll read it to you. Herod heard about the same thing the shepherds did. Matthew chapter 2 verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now that's not all the common people in Jerusalem with them. That's all his cohorts. Matthew chapter 2 verse 3. When Herod heard heard this, he was troubled with all Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes and the people, he inquired of them where the Christ would be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for you shall, for from you shall come a ruler who's who will shepherd my people Israel. Now listen, the crazy part about this is the king knew where he was going to be born, but was looking for the wrong guy. He comes to the shepherds. They're absolutely amazed and astonished. They go find him, and then they tell everybody, man, this is crazy that Christ has been born. The same message comes to a ruler, a king, and he's threatened by it to the point that two years later, he'll send, he'll send a mob of murderers into Bethlehem and kill all the males two years and under. Boy, that's not a story you want to tell your kids on Christmas morning. Hey, we're going to read the Christmas story where all the, where all the toddlers die in Bethlehem. <laughs> it happened. Because the people that don't need him will more than likely be threatened by his existence. So let me give a warning. If you let the people that don't need him dictate how you tell the people that do need him, the church is extinct. Come on, can I get an amen just a little bit? I'm working hard. We are rapidly moving to a culture where the people that don't need him are dictating how the people that do need him can find out. Herod finds out a couple years, the wise men, by the way, I know what your manger scene looks like. The wise men, by the way, are a couple years late after the shepherds. When the king finally shows up, the shepherds have already been telling the story. The kings, the wise men show up with the gifts and they run into Herod on the way. And Herod's like, hey, I've been hearing about this. What's going on? Well, we're going to da 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 da. You know, we're going to check it out. The Herod brings all his people in. Hey, what's going on with this thing? Well, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. We know that. They had no idea what to look for. Isn't it ironic that the king would have to find out from some shepherds if he wanted to know? The wise man follows star right to him. By the way, if you seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. The wise man follows star. They find Jesus and, and they don't go back to Herod because they know he's setting a trap. And Herod says, okay, not in my town. 
and puts out a decree that all the male babies two years and younger will be killed in Bethlehem. Hmm. Boy, does that sound like today. The church cannot get duped into putting our faith, especially at Christmas, at politics making the church better. Because the people that didn't need him can't dictate how the people that do need him get him. So here's the good news. The good news is there's more poor people than kings. No, 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 don't, don't, don't get me wrong. This isn't, a, this isn't a class warfare sermon. I still want you to be filthy rich. Don't get me wrong. This isn't a class warfare. This is historically how it goes. People that don't need Jesus try to tell the people that do need him that they can't have him. Look across the world and you'll see that over and over again in other countries, in China, Iran, all these places. You'll see people that don't want him tell people that do want him that they can't have him. What the church in America has to rise up and understand is there's more poor people, there's more regular shepherds in the world that need him than people sitting on a TV show telling us we don't. So we've lost our voice because we believe the politicians. And the Christmas story is he came to normal people that would tell other normal people. And if a king tried to squish it all, even the most heinous thing he could do wouldn't work. Because God has a way of getting people out when kings don't know about it. I want to ask you this morning. First of all, have you been looking for the wrong description of God? He came to save you. He came to give you new life. He came to came to cleanse us. He came to forgive us of our sins. The way you're going to find peace in life is to let him forgive you. The way you're going to reconcile that relationship is to let him forgive you first. It all starts with him being your savior. We talked about that the first week. He came to save us. The description of the Jesus you need is the one that is saving you. Can he provide? Yes. Can he heal? Yes. Can he do all those things? Absolutely. And then he's called us to carry that message to people. And most of the people on the earth are sinners. Yeah. Most of the people on the earth aren't on cable TV shows. Most of the people on the earth aren't rulers. Most of the people on the earth aren't kings and priests. Most of the people on the earth are normal people who need him. And with all the things that are going on in our culture in America, the church has to rise up and say there's still more people that need him than don't. Still more people that need him than don't. And we have a message that can create wonder and amazement just by being told. The message of Jesus, of God coming to earth to save us the most powerful thing that's ever been said and we have this time of year every year to remind us that he gave it like we sang earlier that he would trust me to carry that victory
that he wants us to find him and he wants us to tell others about it. Amen.